0: Welcome to The Thrive TV Show with Lauren Parsons, helping you boost your health, energy and productivity. Kia ora koutou, welcome to another episode of The Thrive TV Show. I'm Lauren Parsons, your host, and today I'm joined by Julia Grace from Auckland, and we're talking about being kind to your mind. So welcome, Julia. Morena, Lauren. Thanks so much for having me. It's so nice to connect and such an important topic. So today we're going to be talking about why we need better mental health language, why stressed out brains are offline brains, and also how to recognize your wobbly point and why you need to pre-plan your support network. So I'm really excited to talk to Julia and she's an amazing speaker and singer. But before we get into uh, being kind to your mind, I'd love to just ask you my this and that questions, if that's okay. Absolutely. So tell me, spots or stripes? Oh, um, spots. Actually, I love both because that's a tricky one. But I'll go spots. Spots, nice. Beachfront or mountaintop? Oh, also
1: love both, but definitely the beach. Okay, nice.
0: Cats or dogs?
1: Cats, hundred percent.
0: Okay, nice. <laughs> uh, singing or dancing? Oh, singing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I knew it had to be
1: singing, but they put <laughs> yeah. both there as well. But you can't really do one without the other, right? They kind of, they fly.
0: They do fly, yeah. Uh, Chocolate or cake? Cake. Okay, nice. Would you rather go for a week without the internet or a week without your car? Oh, I
1: would happily go for a week without my car if I was somewhere with good internet.
0: Oh, awesome. Lovely. So tell you a little bit more about Julia, Julia Grace is an award-winning international keynote speaker, mental wellness educator, and singer-songwriter. She, addressed the, she addresses the heavy topic of mental health with a lighter touch, using her personal experience with clinical depression and anxiety to encourage audiences to have better mental health conversations. And I'm so thrilled to talk to you today. So can you start by telling us a little bit about how did you get into what it is you're doing now?
1: Yeah, well, I've sort of come in from different aspects. Obviously, I, I've been a school teacher for 30 years. So the education side of what I do has just been growing and growing. The presentation side of what I do has come from my singer songwriter years of international touring. But the mental health part of what I do is something that's kind of come up probably in about the last 10 years. I spent a lot of time in health education, but my lived experience is actually what really I think sets this apart and about eight years ago I was invited to speak at a conference and they said come into a workshop and what do you want to talk about and I said well I've just been diagnosed with depression (laughs) so let's talk about that. So I thought right I'm going to get up I just talk and share from my personal lived experience and uh, I gave a presentation and I had two doctors and a psychologist come to my event. Now, can you imagine, Lauren? I'm really glad. (laughs) I didn't know in advance that they were going to be there because I would have been quite nervous at the time. But at the end, they came up and they said, look, we really appreciated um, your point of view, your point of difference. And what you're doing is, um, you know, there's a real space for this, so keep on going. So that kind of got me started. I went away, did a lot of background work. And the three threads have really... Um, combined together to make what I'm doing today Mm.
0: so I'd love it I've never actually heard you share your personal story and I know you know we don't have the whole time perhaps to hear the whole (laughs) thing but can you perhaps just give us some insights into what it is that you do share from your story Absolutely. So for me, a diagnosis
1: of depression and anxiety was triggered by a big personal crisis. But I'm also really aware that that's not always the case. Sometimes it's the little things that actually just, uh, you know, can climb up too. So we don't want to fall into a trap where we feel like if if something huge hasn't gone wrong in our lives, that we have no kind of rights to be dealing with our mental health because I believe we're all on a spectrum. But for me, uh, I was married for 17 years and the end of my marriage was very abrupt and unexpected and that really, I guess, catapulted me in a period of time where I was dealing with some things that I really wasn't prepared for. And heartbreak, um, you know, grieving, those things are normal, but they began to develop into the point where the bar for my normal mood was getting lower and lower and lower. Mm. And so normal heartbreak was starting to get into cycles or spirals of anxiety and normal low days were starting to feel more and more common. And I'll be honest with you, it's actually been a really humbling experience because I've dealt with some things Um, That I probably at times have been a bit judgmental about like panic attacks and Mm. thought that people were being a bit dramatic. And when it happened to me, it's like, wow, okay, this stuff is real. And um, I like to say my life is like a a long series of getting knocked off my high horse and getting back on progressively smaller horses. And right now I'm saddling up a chihuahua. (laughs) (laughs) I guess dealing with my own mental wellness and then encouraging others to do the same.
0: Yeah, and I know that you're big on you know the, the words that we use to talk about mental health, mental illness, mental distress, mental fitness. Interested to hear, tell me a bit about why is language so important? I think coming from a,
1: a words point of view, I've always been a writer, I've been a songwriter, I've been a storyteller, and so for me, having words to say in times when I'm feeling really stuck is incredibly powerful. Now, I don't know about you, but I find a lot of people who are confident often are good. At, we're good at talking about what we think, but mm. it can be more difficult to talk about how we feel. So yeah. it's kind
0: of like, does that resonate with you? oh Absolutely. But then I'm, I, yeah, I I'm a big advocate of you know this tool you might have heard of, the emotional culture deck, which is all about understanding yeah. how you're feeling, how you want to feel, how others are feeling. It's that whole emotional intelligence, and I think denying that we have feelings is just really unhelpful (laughs) as a leader, as a human being, as a parent, as a friend. So yeah, I think it's a really interesting area and that whole area of how our emotions affect others and emotional contagion. And yeah, we do need to understand how we feel and when we acknowledge how we feel, that's just so incredibly helpful, isn't it? And I think meshing those two together, so often we, we might be feeling a certain way,
1: but then we don't have the words to say it and then people ask Mm. us often under pressure they'll ask us those really hard questions like how are you (laughs) and we can end up feeling really blank so one thing really struck home for me around this topic of mental health language my dad deals with dementia so obviously a very you know a, quite a heavy mental health challenge and he was in his rest time he'd actually been expelled from a rest time <laughs> okay. and uh, our family no one's ever been expelled from anything the first person to get expelled is my dad and he's really kicking up his heels at 86 and making the most of it which we we think is kind of awesome but yeah. I got a call on the group chat one day I was at school and uh, they said look we're, we're going to have to move him along again you know and we're like oh my gosh this is quite heavy stuff and the message came through we're sending your dad to the psycho geriatric ward Mm -hmm. and those words just gosh they landed hard for me because it sounded so heavy it sounds like dad's running around with a knife going you know like he's gone absolutely and it was like whoa could we come up with some better words and you know the word depression it's heavy it's difficult to talk about anxiety is confusing because anxiousness is normal and it keeps us alive but anxiety that wakes us up in the night and gets on a path and we can't get off that's a whole different ball game mm. and so i sort of thought what can i say to communicate how i'm feeling without the people listening feeling like they have to be my psychologist or be my counselor and who's going to come up with some better words and uh I realized it was going to be me. So mm-hmm. mental health language, that's my thing.
0: Mm. So what are some of the, can you give us some examples of like, of some of the better words perhaps? And I know you've got some show and tell. So for those that are listening okay. to the, the podcast version of this, make sure you head to show.com so you can see Julia and see all the things she's about to show us as well. Yeah,
1: and I will tell you as well. So be kind to your mind. Um, that's kind of my tagline because for me, When our brains aren't doing quite what we want them to do or aren't feeling that way, we can really beat ourselves up. And actually, in those moments of feeling like, oh, man, I'm so why does this always happen to me? What's going on? Just remembering be kind to your mind is actually a great little mantra or motto. Mm. But I have these things called grabbable words. And so they are words that we can grab for when we're under pressure because of my first grabbable word. So we have a little cycle there. And this one is that stressed out brains are offline brains. Mm. I call this so Bob Lauren, stressed out brains are offline brains. And it's a great little reminder that brains under pressure are really bad at problem solving.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just in that
1: moment. And so that kind of comes back to what we were chatting about before with your, your language there and, and, and those words just in that moment where people say, how are you or what's wrong or is there anything I can do, our brains literally go into that kind of offline space and being able to use the term so Bob (laughs) or just have a bit of a fun way around that is being able to say, oh, I'm not functioning at the optimum. I'm not going to come up with a great answer for you. I might be feeling quite stressed, maybe aggressive. I might want to run away or feel frozen in the moment. But that is actually okay because, so Bob, stressed out brains are offline brains. They're great ways to kind of let ourselves off the hook a little bit and other people when they're in those pressure situations.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I know that my husband would love that and that analogy because he always says that, Um, that a relaxed brain is a smart brain when he's, you know, in moments when he's perhaps talking to my daughter, for example, if she is getting all worked up over her maths homework, which at the moment is just one of those little regular occurrences in our house. (laughs) And, you know, we've tried a whole range of different strategies, as you do as a parent. And, you know, my husband has tried to get through to her, that when you relax that just allows you to be able to think clearly but it is it can be really hard in that moment so I think it's good having that knowledge isn't it to know that you know literally when you when you have that stress response that amygdala hijack jumps in and it shuts down the prefrontal cortex and we literally can't think in those moments when we really need to we can't think straight so I like oh, that frustrating so just when we myself. need it yeah. just <laughs> when we need it exactly <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. that's really powerful. Yeah, and I think you know, and you're in the middle of traffic, and
1: someone's pulled out in front of you, and you know, we start to go into those stress responses. Actually, going, hey, not only is my stressed out brain a bit offline because of my reaction, but theirs probably is too. And and just giving ourselves a little bit of a break.
0: Mm, And having grace for another. Yeah. What else? Tell me some more.
1: Right. The next one is actually to recognize your wobbly point. And uh, I love the language. It's one of my favorites. The language of the wobbly point. It's being able to communicate that my body is at a point where if something doesn't change, you know, I'm feeling emotionally wobbly. Things are going to start to really either escalate or kind of go downhill from here. And starting to realize that actually in those moments, when we want to communicate, we can use language that's a bit more fun. So it's unlikely for me to flick on my, you know, my screen to talk to you today or to walk into the office in the morning or turn up in the classroom, people to say, oh, how was your weekend? Say, Oh, well a bit of a psychotic break on Saturday, spending a bit of time, you know, some big heavy words, they're hard. What I love about the wobbly point is it's an easy way of communicating. All I need to do is walk in and say, Lauren, I'm a bit wobbly. And you don't need to know who, what, when, where, how, why, what my mother said when I was seven, what I had for dinner last night. You're not my psychologist. You are not now responsible to counsel me out of the problem. All you're going to do is treat me in a way that's going to be a little bit caring and kind. And I mm-hmm. say to people, if you can't even say the W word, you can't even say you're wobbly, just walk into the room like this.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and
1: yeah. it's kind of a pre-arranged language. It's like a code to yeah. say, oh, I'm just a bit wobbly. And I want to get funding for an emoji of a jelly. So that literally people could oh. just figure a jelly to their friend to just say, I don't know really what's wrong, but something's not right. Yeah. And I need to just treat myself accordingly.
0: I think this is really key because I think a lot of people can relate to that. You know, there are a lot of people listening in who perhaps are listening in not because you have clinical di- uh, di- a clinical diagnosis of depression, for example, but because I think we all have times when we're languishing, we all have times when life is tough. We all have times when we have to grieve the loss of things. There's been a lot of that over the last two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And we all have these moments. And I think that's really beautiful having that. And it's the sort of prearranged language, as you say, that you could have between your team of colleagues at work that you can you can know. And I know there's a lot of really amazing you know, human-centered leaders that are starting their meetings by actually just checking out on how is everyone doing. And imagine if you just had some emojis there and you could actually yeah. just... Point to the wobbly emoji. Yep, I'm a bit of a jelly today. Yeah, I don't how think would that can. be for you to be able to do that, and for your colleagues to know that they can come and actually support you on those days. Yeah, and
1: having that fun aspect to it just takes away the sting of mm. feeling like I don't want to say because it's gonna I'm gonna lay the heavy on you. And sometimes we don't even want to ask because it's like you know if, if you tell me then you know, I don't I'm I'm not equipped to do. But just having that fun language thing saying it's a little bit wobbly, actually that is totally okay. And mm. you touched on something really great there, Lauren. Too is that it's the pre planning, it's the knowing in advance. We Look, we get insurance for our car, insurance for the house, insurance for the pet, and yet we make no plans for wobbly days, and yet we all have them. It's not just for those with a diagnosis, this is the entire spectrum of human emotion. And so what happens is on the wobbly days, we come out, we're feeling a bit rubbish, and we're highly unlikely, because stressed out brains are offline brains, to go and make a new friendship. And I know many of us have heard the mental health language if you need help ask for help but that's really difficult to do when we are in stress response so I've got one more little thing here that I just absolutely love and that is a jelly buddy card so for those listening it's just a little card with a picture of a jelly buddy Uh, there's a little picture of a jelly on it and it says on it check in hang out and get help and the aim of the jelly buddy card is to just sit down in advance with someone you know you can trust and say will you be my jelly buddy will you be somebody who if I feel wobbly I can let you know Uh, and if I'm wobbly and I can't tell because that's probably the big challenge with mental health right it's inside of our brain you're allowed to speak into my world you're allowed to can Conf- mm-hmm. you know, not confront me but confront me in a loving way? And yes, maybe confront me if need be. Yeah. And I say to people, look, if you're my jelly buddy, you can turn up at my house. And if you knock on the door and I don't answer, you're allowed to break a window. Um, yeah. And if the cops turn up, just show them your jelly buddy card. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I cannot con- confirm completely that this will stand up in a court of law, but I'd love to yeah. see it tried. <laughs> but actually, having those people ready up your sleeve now, if guys think, oh, I don't want a jelly buddy. Make it a concrete club. I don't care. Just have somebody in your world that you've had the conversation in advance on the good days. Talk about your wobbly points. My challenge is go home, make a jelly, sit down with your fano, have jelly for pudding and talk about wobbly points. How will I know you've reached your wobbly point? What do you want me to do about it?
0: Yeah. Help you? I love that. And I often talk about, you know, when people are wanting to create habit change The importance of setting up the people around them in their life to actually support them in the right way, because often we do that really poorly. And I think this is quite similar. You know, it's actually being clear up front with someone and having this agreement and understanding and giving them permission, as you say, Mm -hmm. to potentially actually come and intervene and check in on you out of love for you rather than, you know, what's going on. Uh, I really love that because, you know, if we can do that in advance, as you say, and, and set that up. It's amazing and also reminds me of a few years ago, I had a a fantastic um, senior leader in an organization who was really focused on well-being and he said that he had what he called a dedicated listener and it was a close friend of his, who was actually overseas and he could phone him, this person at any time and he could just share what was going on, he could vent if he needed to, he could, um, you know, laugh and cry and all those things and this person would just be a dedicated listener and they would listen non-judgmentally and they would also call him out if he wasn't being 100% honest with himself for example and and they both did that for each other and it was this fantastic you know reciprocal arrangement so I love the idea of getting that support in place and making that agreement and when we're under pressure
1: we're not going to naturally feel like starting that stuff right because that's quite um you know that's that's vulnerable it's a vulnerable space to to say will you help me will you step in will you be somebody for me and you're unlikely to do that on a day when you're already feeling wobbly and a bit you know a bit vulnerable so if you've got it up your sleeve you're like all the world could be uh you know absolutely out of reach but that one person I know I can count on them
0: Mm, I love that and it's just such a great practical step so that's something that I encourage all of our listeners today to do to decide who can you go and be a jelly buddy for or a concrete buddy or whatever you would like to term it yeah. and and who might you reach out to Yeah, you i know, and them to listen into this and and set that agreement up I love that yeah. tell me Julia do you have people I imagine you probably have people come up and saying you know what are your tips or what are your strategies in terms of picking yourself up on those darker days I just wonder do you have anything along those lines that could share for our listeners
1: I have um, one of my other grabbable words is the one degree of change and just making those really small changes and I think often people come to my events and they they want to they want a quick fix, right? We, we all want a quick fix and they want to make a big change and they go away and they're like, I'm going to go to the gym every day for the rest of my life. And I say, no, you're not. <laughs> you know, we don't tend to hold on to big changes. Like you said, habits take time. And I really feel like it's actually the small one degrees of change that make a difference. And once again, popping that language in your world, being able to say to your friends, hey, what's your one degree of change? And so for me, it's looking for in the moment, a bit of a a keystone habit or decision that may have the opportunity almost to cascade into others. So if I'm feeling tired and um, kind of strung out and a little bit uh, like physically tired, it's almost backing back and going, what could I do that would actually cause me to be able to do some of the other things as well? So I'll give you an example, going to bed earlier. So that's something sometimes we want to take the big thing we want to make the big choice I want to do exercise I want to walk on the beach every day and I want to join the gym and lift weights but if we don't go back to the keystone decision it's going to affect whether or not we have the energy to go ahead and do that so almost dialing back to something like hydration um, sleep you know those really simple things Mm. connection uh, just maybe a little bit of rest and time out and also just those things of what do you actually like doing if mm-hmm. nobody else was around if you've got an hour to sit and watch Netflix what you want to do what do you want to watch not based on what everybody else wants you to watch so I think the key mm-hmm. for me is actually in those moments going if nobody else was a part of this decision making process what would I do that actually would make me feel I guess, like autonomy, I've been, I've, I've had some choice and some chance. And ironically for me, if left to my own devices for a couple of hours, I have this thing called noodling about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just noodle about. Um, and I'll go up shopping, i will kind of go and maybe just, uh, it's almost like people say, you know, you've got a couple of hours, you've got to go and do something dramatic. And I just want to noodle about. And actually, I find just being able to make my own choices answer to nobody flick off the phone just kind of cruise around I find that quite refreshing and recuperating so I can come back and get on with all the other things that I need to do.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. There's three key things that I love out of all of that, those things you just said. One is yep. the importance I'll start in reverse order. What you just mentioned there about flick off the phone. I think that that alone is huge in terms of helping us really look after our mental well-being, you know, actually disconnecting from the online world, from the notifications, from the negative news and the emails, and even from things that can at times be uplifting, but also ultimately we know are not great for our mental health, which is, you know, all the social media scrolling through other people's highlight reels, how that actually makes us feel worse. So I think that is really key. I also loved that you talked about just finding what you actually want to do. And I think sometimes we're just so busy and caught up in all of the doing, particularly if you are perhaps juggling work responsibilities and family life and all of the things that very seldom do we actually slow down enough to sometimes do something that's just for us and I always talk about how taking time for you or taking time for me isn't actually just important it's essential and we need to stop putting ourselves you know at the bottom of the list and I think the biggest reason we do end up at the bottom of the list is we feel that it's selfish but I always encourage people to have the mindset flip that actually not doing that is a thing that's selfish and when we wrap our minds around that we realize that actually I need to just sit and have this hot cup of tea or I'm just going to go and and pull weeds in my garden or whatever the thing is because when I do that it it allows me to show up in a better way and uh, the third thing that you mentioned that really reminded me of what Michelle Seager who's the author of The Joy Choice and she talks about how in life we sometimes have this pyramid of real needs not Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but just needs in terms of some of us, it's sleep that is the most important thing. Some of us, you know, it is exercise. Some of us, it's connection with others. And so, figuring out what is your key thing that really is your foundation stone for your well being and then committing to that. Like, I know for me, all those things are important, but one thing I absolutely prioritize is sleep. And I have to be strategic to do that because otherwise, I'm naturally a night owl and I can stay up. So, yeah, I, I also love, um, Ariana Huffington she talks about treating getting to bed like catching a train that it's like you've got this time frame that you're trying to aim for and it's not just something that just comes and goes and you keep staying up and up and up you've got to actually be on time be on the platform to catch that train so you (laughs) know so so many good things Julie I love it
1: awesome
0: so tell me if people wanted to get in touch with you or find out more about what you're the work that you do how do they do that Yeah, so on my website,
1: so just at juliagrace.co.nz, there's free resources, there's all of those grabbable words there as downloads, and there's also a link to an online course, and on the online course I've got eight sessions, they're kind of like a TED Talk type session, just a short video, and then some conversation and discussion questions, using some of those stories and fun metaphors, looking at stress triggers, and anxiety, and loneliness, and a lot of the things, disappointment that we deal with in every day particularly adult life and then also social media channels so Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and I'm I'm really hot on the fact that we need to be honest on our social media <laughs> so you will get on there some information obviously about where I'm speaking and some of those things but you'll also get information about the, uh, the four times I lost my keys this week and the fact that I nearly used fly spray to spray into my fry pan to to grill the steak so I'm going to be honest <laughs> about <laughs> my own stressed <laughs> out brain. and because I, I think that it's great to actually share share the real stuff as well as maybe all the fancy stuff
0: yeah exactly it does yeah absolutely I totally agree and it's a really tricky one isn't it I always feel this um, this sense of unease around social media because I often talk about you know limit your social media consumption and yet I'm, I'm on social media as well and and yeah, I, I do like to jump on every so often and just do some real, raw, honest posts because I think that we all need that, yeah, as well. Fantastic. So uh, thank you so much for your time. I just love the work that you're doing. Thank you for sharing your story. It's so powerful. And I love all those grabble words that you've shared. And so if there's one more thing that you wanted to share with our listeners today, Julia, what would that be? I would say that learning more
1: about how your brain works is a great way to actually allow yourself some grace, because when we find out what's going on beneath the surface, we can actually take a step back in those moments, so Come, come on board. jump on boards, download, find things, use the information and the resources that are there, because the more you know, the more you understand, and the more you understand, the more you can actually give yourself that time to be kind to your mind. Mm, beautiful,
0: I love it, thank you so much for your time today. Such a pleasure, thank you Lauren. Yeah, so thank you to everyone that's tuned in, that's been another episode of the Thrive TV show, go out and thrive. Thank you for listening to The Thrive TV Show with Lauren Parsons. Visit ThriveTVShow.com to access the show notes and discover our fantastic bonus content. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next inspiring episode.